0: So the Rebbe says like this, In accordance with our experience of the Yamim no ra'im, the High Holidays, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and the Sarsimai Chuba, the 10 special days in between, it is fitting in accordance with our Avaida on the Yomim No-Rayim, that we should have a very beautiful Esrig on Sukkot. What's the connection between having a particularly intense, as we're going to see, Rosh Hashanah Kippur, and that translates into now again access to a nice esther? What's the connection? So the Rebbe says, Because there's a colloquial saying that people use. And they say, It's a thing. I don't know how much depth we can read into this, although it's maybe true on a certain level. I don't think we can ever generalize. But the common saying is, is that it's the foolish or the less wise among young men who generally end up with very beautiful women as, as wives. It's like a, a sort of derogatory um, reference to, to, uh, to a person's folly or foolishness. And there's, there's something that I think may derive from the Gemara at the end of Tainus when the Gemara tells us how the 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 Bachrim and the bachurus used to go out to the fields, and um, and the, and the woman would say, tnu meaning look toward the woman's capacity to raise a family, look for values rather than yoifi, rather than beauty. So, it's always the case that one is you know mutually exclusive from the other. We find by Ari e. Mois, right by by Rachel. Um, by Sarah, we find that their inner beauty was reflected by their outer beauty. But at least this is the uh, the common um, saying that people say. So the Rebbe understands that there's something much deeper. If this is an expression that people use, so there must be a much deeper element, a much deeper level of meaning as well. So the Rebbe says very deeply, and it's a little bit kabbalistic. We'll try to present the ideas in a in a straightforward and an understandable way, all B Syaatarishma with the help of the Master of Heaven and Earth. So he says, as is written in the Book of Splendor, in the Holy Zar Kadesh, the teachings of bar Yachai, that the esrig is an aspect of of an Isha, of a bride, of a wife. The feminine aspect that's receiving energy in the same way that in the marital relationship the woman is receiving the potential for life force from the male. So the Isha is embodied in the esrig, and the male aspects are embodied in the Dalet Minim. Isha, that the esrig and our desire to have a really spotless, flawless, perfect, beautiful esrig. Is reflected in the pasuk in Shir Shirim, ultimately referring to Am Yisrael, to Knesset Yisrael, where the pasuk says, Yafa Rayasi." Hashem says, "You, Am Yisrael, the female counterpart, the aspect which receives from Hashem, ultimately, as we mentioned in many or in many previous Shirim, for the purpose of giving back something more perfect, Am Yisrael are Kulech Yafa totally beautiful, umum without any blemish." which is, of course, reflected in this, that we look for an Esrig and we spend so much time trying to search for an Esrig that isn't just halachically permissible, but reflects a certain kind of no'e, a certain kind of beauty. So that we can have this eserg that's embodying this aspect of kulach umum ein bach that it doesn't have any any blemish. So, says the Rebbe, what did we say about isha no'e? Which over here he's seeing more deeply as a as a uh, as a as a reference an indirect reference to the Esrig, who's the Isha Noe. We said Kol Nar Yeshlei Ishan Noe. When is Am Yisrael a Nar? Says the Rebbe Ubi Yamen Noi Ra'im Yisrael Him Bevchinas Nar. On Rosh Hashanah Kippur Am Yisrael are in the aspect of Nar. Because then we enter into the aspect of the pasuk that we learned in last week's parsha. It's incredible. Again, we always have the alignment of what we're learning in Sichasurah and the current events where we are holding in the year. We're going to learn in the next piece. Vezes Hashem, we should be to get to it today. A quote from this week's parsha. Mamish incredible. So this is last week's parsha, and we're going to see in the context of the next teaching a quote from this week's parsha. nar bayche. That inside the basket, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu, was a nar And what happens in the next Pasuk? Passoc? Meyavatachmelalav. Basparai has rachmanus on this baby that's just floating along in a basket. That's baicha that's crying. And this is what the Tikkunai Zayar says is a reference to the Yamim Nairaim. That on the Yamim Nairaim, Am Yisrael are busy crying, and it's such an incredibly intense time. And we feel the gravity of the year to come with all of what it holds, the mystery of all the wonderful things and blessings that we'll experience, but also all the potential din, the potential judgment and concealment of Hashem that can be experienced by the world in the coming year. And we cry, we're moved to tears. Says the Zar Kadesh, referring to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, that in accordance with our crying on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, so too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, Rahmanus has mercy on Am Yisrael. So therefore, the Rebbe explains that Memela, going back to this common expression that people use called says the Rebbe, well, Isha Noe is the Esrig. And Nar is Am Yisrael on Rosh Hashan Yom Kippur. So go back to the first line. Lufi Bechinas Hayomim Noira'im in accordance with how much we mamish, like they say in Yiddish, we shtelavek. We we really invest ourselves in an intensely moving experience on Rosh Hashanah in Yom Kippur. That's how we're going to be B'Zochah, to the Esrig, which is the direct um, connection to the aspect of Nar. So that's just the Rebbe interpreting a common expression that's used by people that has nothing to do, apparently, with spirituality, and the Rebbe says, well, listen very carefully, and you'll be able to hear the shechina medaberus b'sayuch groinam. You'll be able to hear that really there's spiritual import in everything in the world. You just need to know how to find it. So the Rebbe continues, and he explains this in a deeper way, that a person who cries more, the more that we Reflect in our own experience of our Shoshone Yom Kippur the aspect of nar boiche, of a crying child. That's how much we're going to merit to find a really beautiful eserig in preparation for Sukkot. And here the Rebbe explains on a deeper level. What does this really mean? What's the amkus, what's the omek in kidusha of this concept of a nar, Dafka, being, um, being privileged with this experience of the Isha Noah? So the Rebbe says, mm-hmm. Where does intellect, which is the opposite of narishkeit, we even use this word in Yiddish, narishkeit, like a nar, connotes foolishness, inanity. Where is seichel? Rooted, which is an opposite of narishkeit, of nar. Says the Rebbe, it's rooted in the mayach. Everybody knows this is how a person thinks, with the with their brain, that's the organ in the body that allows us and enables us to think. We do have any other part of our body that thinks. You know, interestingly enough, we were at the aquarium over the winter holidays here, um, which are also known as vacation or break in, in, in America, other parts of the world. And we went to an aquarium, and we learned over there an incredible thing that octopuses, or octopi, don't know if you call them octopi, can actually think with each of their legs. Each of the eight arms or legs of the octopus contributes to the thinking of the central brain of the octopus. That means that they actually, we can't even understand what this means, like an alien intelligence. They think with their hands. But as far as I'm aware, human beings, generally speaking, if you know of any exception, be very curious to hear about it, people think using their mo'yach, their brain. But here the Rebbe says a a seemingly related thing, and Rabbi Kaplan points out that this is true even in accordance with modern um, understanding of science. Even though we only think using our brain, which is called the mo'yach, there is another part of the human body or physiology that's also called moyach. And that is moyach shabaat samas, the marrow in our bones. There is a marrow in our bones that's called in Hebrew also moyach, even though it doesn't think. But the Rebbe says that our moyach that does the thinking actually draws life force, is nourished from the moach, also the same word for this reason, in our bones. And I looked this up because Zariah Kaplan makes a little bit of a note about it in his translation of Sicha Serat, translated as Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom by the, by the BRI, the Breslov Research Institute. And he explains, even though it's not really direct, but he explains that the marrow is responsible for producing red blood cells, which are primarily um, responsible for nourishing the oxygen in the brain. So, there is a connection, even in our modern understanding of the human physiology, between the brain and the marrow in the bones. It's very interesting. It's the same word. Our brain and our capacity for thought is drawing life forces, being nourished by the, by the marrow in the bones. Which is again saturated by the leichos, by the by the um liquids haguf, and the different elements of, of, of liquid that exists in the body. So, the brain is nourished by this liquid element, yishukas, is quenched by the atsamos by the marrow in the bones. This element of 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 liquid in the body nourishes the marrow in the bones. Maybe can refer to again the the red blood cells that are produced that then contribute to the to the blood that's able to nourish the brain and give the person a, a fully functioning brain that can that can think in all the wonderful ways that the human brain can think. Again, so the primary uh, sustaining or nourishing of the seichel is through this element of the liquids that exist in the different parts of the body. So so it says the Rebbe like this, Therefore, A person who's not fully uh, exercising their capacity for thinking, the So that would mean that the potential Moyach that he has is still stuck in the bones, in the marrow. Because clearly there's some kind of disconnect and there's a deficiency in the flow from the marrow in the bones and the body all the way up to the Moyach. To the there's a deficiency. And that's what's producing his narishkeit. Right? That's what's making him into a nar. Because his brain is not functioning properly. Because he's missing something fundamental that's meant to be contributed by the body. This is very deep. Nimsa, so it emerges that there's a really important part of his thinking thought process, which is counterintuitive, which is stuck in the, in the body. Nimsa, shenishar ha moyach konesbat samais the potential for his thinking in the deepest, broadest way is stuck in the marrow in his bones. Al came therefore, Ba'zugai, when he meets his soulmate, who fundamentally, in a spiritual level, min'at which we understand in the context of Adam and Chava, the Chava was built up from one of Adam Arishan's limbs. achas as the Pesach tells us, Hashem took one of his ribs one of other Rishan's bones, and from that built Chava. So when this Naur comes together with this Isha, she, and it's a very interesting construct, she is the one that has more Seichel than he does. She is coming to contribute in his life the Seichel that he was lacking. So she's the aspect of his etzem. And when she comes into the relationship and they're able to build a life together, she is able to contribute that aspect of his thinking that was deficient because it was in his atzamas. And his atzamas were built up, again, in a spiritual sense, to produce his zivug. So she brings to him the seichel, in potential, the seichel b'koach that was stuck in the marrow, in the bones. as isham Because she was taken from his bones, so to speak. That's why she would be very beautiful. Because again, it's not speaking necessarily about physical beauty, even though, again, the, the, the expression is, for the Rebbe's explaining the panemius of how this works. Because the primary yofi when does a person shine with beauty when do they shine in all the different expressions of the word of beauty that don't refer to you know just a physical uh, uh, countenance but when a person shines with the with the beauty of dignity with the beauty of grace with the beauty of depth with the beauty of kindness and so on and so forth it's all rooted in their degree of Moyach. How enlightened they are, so to speak. Then they're shining. The Pasuk famously Rabbi Nachman quotes in the very first teaching in the Kutimaran Chachmas Adam, the intellect of a person, ta'ir panav, causes his or her face to shine. That's why this Isha is Because she has within her this extra seichel that he didn't manage to access in his life because it was in his body, so to speak, and she is on the level of his guf. And when there's a yichud between him with his mayach and the potential mayach that she has, so then she's able to contribute a whole new realm of thinking that he never would have been able to access on his own. Because she, again, is part of his of his bones, so to speak. Of this person who doesn't have a developed seichel, the nishar, mo'yach, kanas va'atzmaisav, and again, his seichel just remained in potentia, in potential, in the marrow in his bones. And therefore, specifically a nar who hasn't managed to draw the seichel up out of his bones and into his mayach, who is able to become Mizdaveg. With an isha no'ed daika, because the no'ed of the isha is the aspect of chachmas adam tayr where she is on the level of the marrow in the bones, so to speak, achas meitzaloyisav, and she's shining with all the seichel that that he doesn't have. Right? And so, this of course, there are many many levels of understanding this. I think on a, on a simple level, it's often the case that um, that there's a certain wisdom that the woman brings into the relationship. There's a certain a certain, maybe even very practical wisdom, where sometimes the man can be very street smart, but ultimately, in order to take his big ideas and to actually turn them into something sustainable, that is ordinarily the the uh, the function of the spiritual midah we call bina, as opposed to chachma. Chachma is the big picture, you know, the, just the just the the the, the vision, the brainstorm. And then Chachma needs to be channeled into Bina, which is the more feminine aspect, as the Gemara tells us that Bina Yaseira, the women have a Bina Yaseira, they're rooted in that element of Bina that's able to take the Chachma and enable that to become translated into something pragmatic, into something practical, without which it would just remain a vision, it would never come into the Olam Asiyah. That's the aspect of, 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 the, of the pragmaticism of women, even though there's another aspect in which women are much more spiritual. So they have the best of both in a certain, in a certain realm, and the men are somewhere in the middle. Um, but, but, but women have this aspect. On the one hand, they have a certain spiritual intuition and sensitivity that's beyond that of men. And on the other hand, they also have this special kind of bina that's able to, to, be, to be very grounded. And so it's possible to suggest that that's the meaning here. When we speak about, Rabbi giving us the spiritual map of what this actually means. But in a, in a practical way, the way to understand this, I think, or one way to understand this, in a way that makes it a little bit more comprehensible to us, is that the Isha being on the level of the bones connotes a more pragmatic kind of wisdom. It's lower down than the head. The head is in the clouds. The feet are on the ground. It's the of the, like the narrow in the in the bones and in, in in you know grounded rooted reality. And so, if this person is a nar because he has no way to take his seichel and to develop it, so the beauty of the isha is this capacity to bring that light of bina into his life. The moach that's rooted in the marrow, in the bones, in the, you know, the flesh and blood of the ulama HaAsiyah. And she's able to join together with his Chachma and help him and her together with both of their special wisdom to be able to, to create Das, right? Das, which is something that's practically useful in the world. So that's just one way of understanding this, uh, this connection. So what does this all have to do with Rosh Hashaniyom Kippur and then Sukkis, which is the Lula. So he says the Rebbe, if you think about it, this is the panemius, the true mystical understanding of what the whole thing of D'Alad Minim is all about, because of B'kidusha in the realm of holiness, Ebechinas. This is an aspect Shenim Shachim Shar Hadas El where we mean to draw the root of wisdom. When we lift the Lulav up in the, in the air and to draw it down to the esrig. Ulavarak well, sas, and to explain this a little bit, he says to look at Narisa, Kiyakra Kavana, because the primary kavana is La Esrig, Malchus, When we shake the lulav, we shake the Lulav in six directions. The four directions around us. And then up and down is six together. These are called the vavksavas, the six edges, the six different directions of this physical world. And what we're doing essentially with the lulav is that we're trying to access the spiritual realm, the root of the life force for our reality to draw it down into the spiritual world. And from there, to collect it from every aspect all throughout our lived experience of Olam Hazeh and the directions all around us and above and below and to draw that down into into the Eser, which is the vessel. But the only way to do that to bring all this illumination down to the Esrig, which is the Kli that means to receive all of these spiritual illuminations, to produce, like the Isha, something more perfect, which is our collective role as the Isha, the bride, so to speak, to HaKadosh Baruch That's the aspect of the Shekhinah, the aspect of Knesset Yisrael, the aspect of Am Yisrael in this world. Collectively is the Isha, Klape Hashem. And so we're trying to receive all of the light that Hashem is giving us, to further develop it like the Isha does in the relationship with the male, to produce new life in the world, to give back something more perfect. In order to do that, we need to be drawing on an elemental das or a seichel that, that already exists in all of those places, in all those realms, above and to all, to all four sides and below. Ninsa, it emerges, that the primary shining of the Esrig, which is an aspect of the Malchus, of the bride, of the Isha, it's because it is being filled with all of the Das, with all of the thinking and the intellect and awareness, consciousness that exists in all the directions and above and below which we're accomplishing when we shake the lulav in this way drawing more das from all corners literally all corners of the world down into the esrig and that's why the esrig is so beautiful because it's filled up filled up with all of the seichel the das that's being drawn down into it that's why it glows that's why the Esserg is kulachiyafa reyasi einbach because it's being filled up by the channeling of the lulav and the other minim, bringing das from all the higher spiritual realms down into down into the eserg the reason why the estrog is illuminated is It's because again, it has to do with the with the intellect that exists within all the directions of the world and up and down which ultimately is rooted in the in the mayach And this is the aspect, like we said earlier. But if you're paying attention, it's a bit complicated. But it's but it's really a it's a shift. It's the contrast of what we said earlier. Because earlier we said that where does the Moyach start? In the Isha. In the Atzamoys. In the marrow. In the Moyach. In the bones. And that she is the one that's completing the Seichel of the Nar. And that's why she's beautiful. Because she's shining with this Chachmas adam tarapanav, And that's why the Nar needs an Isha Yafed Daika. Because she's completing him. Because he was a Nar. He was lacking this Chachma. Over here, on the contrary, it's like the filling up of 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 the, of the malchus, and over here we, we 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 are learning that malchus is receiving the wisdom from all the other elements. So here the Rebbe spells that out. Raksham, who nar mamish, right? But over there the person is a, is a nar. The nishar mayach bat samayz, and all of the mayach is just in the it's in the bones. and it hasn't gone up to the to the to the, to the thinking to the to the das yet. The kach the Kiddusha, but in the spiritual realm, what we're doing with the Lulav and the Hadassim, the Aravais, and their relationship with the with the Esric, which also without getting confused now, is also the first three letters of Yud K Vav, and their relationship with the He. Because they are Dalid Minim, and so the Lulav, Esrag, Hadassim is the first three icis, and then the final he is the letter is the is the is the, the Esric. So the relationship between these things, in a certain sense, seems to go both ways. But the way that we're learning about it in the context of the Dalad Minim is that we're drawing Moyach down to the Eserk, down to the final Hay. So this is like step one. Step one, got to fill up the Moyach in the bones. That's step one. And that's what we're doing with the lulav and the estrog. And that's how the estrog becomes beautiful. Because step one is we've got to fill the estrog up. Where does the das and the marrow in the bones come from? It comes from the lulav and the estrog. Then once the estrog is shining, then it's able to complete the aspect of the nar. So it's a two-stage process. First, we're filling up the estrog with all of this mo'yach. Mo'yach Samais. And then it is able to complete the avoda of the Yid, who on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur entered into the aspect of Nar, threw his Seichel away in a holy way, and came to Hakkadish Baruch, who just, ka'ani like Ram says on the Kuti Allah, is one of the intentions of Tekiyah Shaifer, where we blow the Shaifer, says Ram what are we doing taking an animal horn, a ram's horn, and putting it in our in our head literally it's not exactly in the right place but it's in our head says Rav Nassim that's just it we come before Hashem like an animal on Rosh Hashanah with the simplicity the tamimah of, 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 of mamish a ram it's, it's almost like a little bit um, like we're dressing up that's what he says in a certain sense you look at the person blowing the shifer it's a human being with a horn coming out of his head and it's the aspect of the pasuk beheima is ha'yisi imach. David Melech says, I, w- "I was like an animal with you." Adam behema toshiyah Hashem. Chazal say this is bnei Adam sha'arumim bedas that are very very wise umesimim atzvam kebeheima, but they show up with total simplicity. That's what Shoshaniim Kippur, That's the beinin nar boicha. That's the crying, the realization that we haven't achieved understanding yet. Then in accordance with in accordance with how much we enter into the aspect of a nar, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees how much we need seichel desperately, how much we need that pragmaticism, that awareness and understanding of how to take the chachma of all of our spiritual goals and dreams and ideals and how to be megashim them, how to bring them down through the aspect of bina, down into the olem hazea gashmi. And in accordance with that, the Esrig that's been supercharged through the avodah of the Lulav and the Hadassim and the, and the, the Ravis, it's that much more shining. And it joins together with the aspect of our Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to create a complete picture. isha And of course there's more Kabbalistic depth, we're just trying to present it in a somewhat understandable way. And the Rebbe finishes this sikha in such a beautiful way. He says this is also the aspect of sukkis itself. We were speaking about the esrig. But over here, this is the aspect of sukkah, Because the Pasuk says in Hosea, very beautiful three words. Ki nar Yisrael. Hashem says, Am Yisrael is a nar, is, a, is like a young child, and I love him. Ahava. Says the Rebbe, how do we express love? It's with the right hand. Hugging with the right hand, which it's known from the Arizal, is the deeper meaning of the minimum sheer, the the most bare basic minimum requirements for a kosher sukkah, which is two walls and a little bit. And the Arizal says the two walls are from the shoulder to the elbow, from the elbow to the wrist, and then the hand is the little bit, and that's a hug. The Aminoitichabkeini, the Pasik says, Your right hand embraces me. That's the Sukkah. Why are we on Sukkah in the aspect of receiving a hug from Hashem, which is the Sukkah? Because after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we've become a nar. We've become vulnerable. We've made it known, Baruch Hu, that on our own, there's no chance. We need Him. Our Sechel is incomplete. We need the esrig. We need the Moyach Shabbat Samois. And the Pasik says, Well, nar Yisrael? If Am Yisrael are in the aspect of naris, says a Kodesh Baruch Hu, Come into my Sukkah. Come into my holy hug. Come into my hug of the Sukkah because you're the aspect of nar, And then I can complete you with the aspect of Esrik, with the aspect of the shining Malchus, with the deeper wisdom of pragmaticism, how to go down and to, and to figure this out. How to manifest our spiritual yearnings in this world as B'nai Adam. I'll just say one other element to this Sicha and then we'll move into the next Sikha. You know, today there's a lot of talk about, there's even a book, famous book called The Body Keeps the Score. There's a lot of talk, also, it's also called Somatic different therapies that utilize the hargashos, not so much like narrative talk therapy to help people shift their perspective, but to go very deeply into the sensations in the body. And there are different techniques, different ways to help people really get in touch with their feelings, which a lot of times we think that feelings are, are, are thoughts, right? And we think that. That's what, well, that's what a feeling means. How are you feeling? And we'll give an emotional response. It's not really the question. Really, how, What a feeling is, it has to be felt. What are you feeling means to be conscious. What is actually going on in my body? And how can I work with that? How can I learn from that? And so when I'm learning the Sikha, it, it, it reminds me of that. Wow, there, there's Chachma in my bones. That my thinking brain... Needs that somatic wisdom, if you will, that element of what my body has absorbed and feels to contribute to my cognitive understanding of my circumstance and situation to help complete the picture. So, this might be an early source, a Jewish early source, for a lot of what's going on in that realm of somatic therapy, working with feelings. There's deep wisdom in the bones. Deep wisdom in the bones. And sometimes in, in the context of a relationship, it's the wife, Dafka, who's able to help her husband really get in touch with that. Many men sometimes, again, it's a generalization, certainly not true for everybody, but men can sometimes be more detached from their feelings. More difficult for them to, 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 to talk this way, talk this language and sometimes, like we're learning, just trying to bring it down into the practical. Sometimes, and, and it could be that there's a level of this that Rabbi Nachman is Taka referring to. Sometimes, it's the job of the of the woman and her role in the relationship to help ground her husband in his own feelings, to help introduce him to the world of her geshem, because she's rooted in the level of the guf and the mo'ach, the deep wisdom that exists in that more pragmatic and lived experience, instead of just theoretics. So those are two presentations of, of different interpretations of the Sikha. I hope there's some truth in them, but that's just what what came into my heart and mind when learning this uh, this somewhat challenging Sikha that does still make reference to a pasuk from last week's Parsha, so it's pretty incredible Srinu uh, that we're we're on course. We're on course. Okay, let's take a look at the second Sikha. Um, also very fascinating, a little bit more in Yana Diyayma, and we will see a teaching also from Rabbi Nachman in Lukutimar. So the Rebbe says like this: This is Sichas Haran Pe Ches eighty eight. And the Tzaddik says Hafichas Hashulchan b'Shabbes Hagadol. This, that on Shabbos Hagadol, there used to be a hanhaga of Hafihas Hashulchan, turning over the table, flipping the table upside down. So I saw just poking around, trying to figure out what this means, I saw that there were two different interpretations. On the one hand, it can simply mean that we don't eat at the same table that we ordinarily do on Shabbos HaGadol, especially if it's very near to Pesach. And if we've already cleaned the dining room, so then most families will eat in the kitchen. So that can be where we're, we're swapping out, we're, we're flipping over the table, meaning we're using a different table. But then I saw a much more literal interpretation of hafichas hashulchan, which is literally a reference to flipping over the top of the, uh, the board of the table. Because if that part had already been cleaned, so the way that they'll compensate to make sure is you don't want to eat chamez, you know, on the actual table that's already been cleaned, so they would just lift up the board and flip it over, and they would literally eat an-shabbos on, on the underbelly of the table, the underside. Okay, so whichever way you understand it, there used to be this hanhaga that's called hafichas hashulchan, flipping over the table. So the ways that I just explained it, it's not such a deep thing. It's very practical, right? Why does a person flip their table over on Shabbos? You'd explain. Well, because they clean for chametz already. They don't want to get the table dirty and all chametz stick. So either they're eating on a different table or they flip over the top of the table and that's it. That's all there is to it. But to a mind and heart like Rabbi Nachman, that's never all there is to it, ever, about anything. There's always something deeper. There's a deeper spiritual concept, like we learned last week, that's embodied in this. And we have to think deeply about it and contemplate, what's the message here? What's the spiritual reality that's being reflected in this Hanhaga? Even though, of course, there's a practical, pragmatic understanding of it. But deeper. Look deeper. That was Rabbi Nachman's whole thing. Look deeper. So the Rebbe looked deeper, and this is what he found. Meramez, it's hinting to us a very deep thing. ad Pesach. That speech has not yet been redeemed from exile until Pesach. Sha'az as is known in the deeper sfarim, chassidus, kabbalah, penimis Satira, that on Pesach it isn't just that the Jewish nation went out of Shibud Mitzrayim, we got out of slavery, but on a deeper conceptual level, dibur, the concept of speech, was redeemed from exile on Pesach. Very deep thing. And that's what our Rizal says, Pesach, which means to skip over. Sashem skipped over the houses, passed over Passover. Skipped over the homes of Am Yisrael by Makas v'chayrez. But that Rizal says, take that word Pesach, and you should read it Pesach, which means a speaking mouth. Pesach, a mouth that speaks. Shezay ikr v'chinas siftias, mitzrayim, because this is the deepest, deepest element of what it means that we were redeemed from its shrine that we're reading in this week's partial we were in the Gullus and the shebut doesn't just mean physically because Amisrael are not just a physical people and this isn't just a physical world so something deeper was taking place what was taking place when Amisrael were in exile not just that a nation was enslaved but that the concept of speech was enslaved we're going to learn about what that means in a minute so when Amisrael got out we celebrate Pesach the speaking mouth. Because speech was redeemed. What does this mean? We're going to see in a minute. So what does this have to do that until Pesach, speech is not yet redeemed, and so on Shabbos we eat with the table flipped over. What's the connection between the table and, and speech and redemption? Says the Rebbe, Shulchan, the table... Is the concept of speech. because the Pasik says in Yecheskel, during the vision that Yecheskel has in those Prakim over there, mem, mem aleph, of the Beis Hamikdash, the third Beis Hamikdash. Baruch, who spoke, says, says, Yecheskel, the voice spoke to me, saying, This is the table before the presence of God. Hashem, Before the face of Hashem. It says Rabbi Nachman, In the context of the Shulchan, we find these two words that we don't find throughout the vision again and again. There's a specific reference to speech in the context of the Shulchan. Why? Because the primary essence of sustenance and of eating which is an aspect of a table where we eat and we have meals where does it come from? Where does it come from? Where do we get our food? From the fridge, right? Where do we, where do we get food in our fridge from? From the supermarket. Where do we get where did the supermarket get the food from? From the ground. Where did the ground get the food from? When you trace it back and back and back and back, we recognize that it's literally the speech of Hashem. B'china says the pasuk says in Devarim, Ki lo ya'ala adam." Ad, the beginning of the pasuk: It is not by bread alone that man lives. It's the speech of Hashem that is embodied in the food, that becomes translated in the physical world into things that we can eat, that convey, like a vehicle, godly life force that sustains the soul. And so all the different foods that we're eating are just different delivery mechanisms of the chiyas, of the, of the life force of Hashem that's rooted in the Asarama Ammaris and the ten utterances with which Hashem created the world, which we spoke about last week when we said that ultimately speech itself is like a goof without a neshama because if a person just mouths words without producing voice, it's going to be very difficult to understand anything they're saying. There's no neshama in it. So there's the goof. there's the, there's the, the, the motions of, of something, the form of something, but there's no content there's no life, and so the call, the voice, is the neshama klape the dibur. We spoke about that last week. So ultimately, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu channels that everlasting, infinite divinity through the kli, through the through the vehicle, the vessel of this of, of words, and it becomes our physical world. That's the chiyas, That's the life force of divinity that's being transmitted through everything physical so that different aspects of the created world can be consumed and thereby serve as a delivery mechanism of the chiyas of Hashem, the life force, the presence of the Creator to further sustain and nourish His creations. That's what food is. So it's not the bread that we eat that gives us strength. It's the words of Hashem that encapsulate measures of life force, of chius, life force that become embodied in the food and then our bodies interact with the goof, so to speak of the food, break it down process it and thereby that life force that was in the food becomes digested, becomes consumed becomes processed by the body to give it strength Says Rabbi Nachman, if a shulchan is the symbol for a meal, as we know that the Chazal say, whoever eats from the shulchan of a tzaddik, it's like he ate mamish from the mizbeach. So we see that the, the shulchan, the the, the 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 feast of the tzaddik, very very holy thing. Food can be engaged with in, in an exalted level, on an exalted level. Eating is the aspect of a shulchan. So therefore. The Shulchan, which is the place where we interact with food, is an aspect of Debor, an aspect of speech. And that's why I go back to the Pasuket in Cheskel, We find the connection between Debor and the table, because that's what the table is set with. It's not set with all different kinds of pleasant, you know, pleasant delicious foods. It's set with the Word of God that just takes the form of all these different foods, all these different delivery mechanisms, so to speak, of which there are so many different kinds. That's what's on the table. Says the Rebbe, what does it mean then when the table is flipped over? hadib hadibor begalos... When the Dibur of Hashem, meaning when our revel, realization of the true essence of the food that we're eating is redeemed, and it's clear to us that we're mamish eating from Hashem's mouth, k'viachal. Mamish, mamish. Direct, like a baby nursing from his mother. A direct, 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 direct interaction. Like a, like a, like a little fledgling uh, uh, chicken or, or chick. In a nest is eating, you know, the, how the birds feed their young with their ma- mamish, from their mouth. And there's midrashim about that also. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, open your mouth, I will fill it, I I am filling your mouth. And this is why the context of eating is is in breslov is such a big thing, avoid of eating. And and, and what people could be zoichet to while eating, it could be the most intimate spiritual experience. Literally, Ibn Nachman says in one place in Tarasamach Beis, eating could be the highest form or a very high form of yichud kutchebruchu Shchinte, Of our inner life force, which is an aspect of the shekhinah interacting with the divine life force, which is an aspect of, the, of the, the the life force that's invested in all of creation. We have to eat consciously, slowly, focusing, gratefully, aware of the of, of what's really going on not just taking a bite of food taking a bite of divine life force agorashpurkh is feeding me lovingly with every spoonful of, of, of cereal whatever it is that i put in my mouth that's that's hashem feeding me from his mouth to mine nursing from hashem keviyo the most intimate 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 act so all of that is called the dibur not being in galas because it's 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 redeemed, it's revealed, it's, it's we're, we're accessing it, we're experiencing it. then when we eat our meals, it's an aspect of Hashem It's an aspect of encountering Hashem, Hashem's face. It's an aspect of meeting Hakadosh Baruch panim and that's why the eliza says, When we experience our shulchan, meaning our act of eating, in the beginning of a yidaber Hashem, where it's not just food, but it's an encounter with the divine. It's a spiritual experience, as all of life is intended to be. If that's how we eat, by so the passage continues, Asher Hashem. That's the aspect of ponim. I'm encountering God. I'm encountering the presence of Hashem, the face of Hashem. Everything is redeemed. My soul is redeemed. The experience of eating is redeemed. There's no gulus, there's no shackles of the satan, of the Yitzhahara, of the concealment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On the contrary, the act of eating becomes the greatest arena where Hashem can be most easily accessed if we eat consciously. So that's the meaning of the Pasuk. When we eat in a way of dibor and we recognize that whatever I'm eating derives its life force from the, from the words of Hashem. So then, it's a direct encounter with the presence of the Divine. That's the aspect of the table when it's face, right? Meaning when the, when the front of the table is out in the open, upright, says the Rebbe. Look how deeply he looked at everything. It's absolutely incredible. Says the Rebbe, if that's what a regular table means, which is the aspect of getting ready for Pesach, but we didn't get to Seder night yet. We didn't get to the redemption. It's still symbolizing on Shabbos HaGadol. It's still in the gullus. It's still symbolizing Shibud Mitzrayim, where we have a kaitzer Ruach, which is very deep, like we spoke about last week. The dibor is ingalous because it's disconnected from the ruach, from the voice, from the spirit that's channeled into the voice that comes through the dibor to bring it to life. But kaitzer ruach and they can't speak. And Moshe has a pet; he has a stutter. Everything in Mitzrayim, you can't talk. Paroi has the same letters that Rishel says as ha'ayref, which is the, the back, the nape of the neck, which is the contrast. Of the mouth, what the mouth is to punim, the oyref pun is to achar, to the back. That's paroi, because he represents the shibud of dibur, ervas davar, where all you see is ervas haaret. All you see is the most is the is the outside, outside, outside. The the, 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 the the crudest form of engagement with the physical world around us, without any depth, without any consciousness. Without das had a hadibor l'chayo elamim. Without the das that produces real dibor, just nothing. Inanity. So I came to Shabbos hadgadol shalzu kaidemitzias Mitzrayim Says Rabbi Nachman, what do we do? As Ihu bechinas hafichas hashulchan. Says the Rebbe, that's when we turn the table. Which was Eliza the debor Hashem Hashem, which is the face, the encounter with the divine. We flip the, that part of the table over. Shemiramzin because we're hinting and alluding to in this shahadibor that the debor is in exile, that it's not Hashem because it's just eating without the understanding that eating could be an encounter with the divine. Which is my father, as a tyrant, he says every year by the Seder, the Omek of the Russia's question during the Seder, the Arab Banim, who says, What is this Avoida? What are you doing, eating matzah, eating marar? And there's one way of understanding that the Russia says, Can this really be a spiritual experience? How could eating be spiritual? How could, how could you know, crunching on, on, on dry cardboard-like matzah, you know, endlessly, and uh, and, 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 mara and, and, and and then on the, on the contrary, and then really enjoying a shulchan oirech, let's be honest, what, what's spiritual about that? And so the response is, You say, a Jew who doesn't understand how eating could be spiritual, the chlal doesn't need teeth. Because the whole reason that we have teeth in the first place, meaning the reason that we have the capacity to process foods, is because we understand, not just that there's avoita in eating, pff, unbelievable khidish. but that eating is one of the primary avoitas there is. It's not just that we have to eat and also there's a way of seeing eating as being spiritual. It's that we have to be spiritual. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the ability to eat. Again, it goes with the theme that I spoke about in the, in the beginning of last week's She'er about symbolism or embodiment, right? Something eating symbolizes spiritual ideas. There are spiritual ideas taking place. And therefore, when it comes down into this world, it's a thing called eating. Very deep. So afata ha'kehashin of the Russia doesn't eat teeth because he can't understand how eating could ever be spiritual. We say that's antithetical to the Jewish understanding of what eating should be. So all the while that we haven't yet reached Seder night, which is embodied in Shavuot Hagadol, which is when Am Yisrael are still in Mitzrayim. So then we take the shulchan. That when facing upward represents the realization that every bite of food that I take is a literal kiss from Hashem, literally, is eating from Hashem's mouth. That's panim ashalufnei Hashem. And we flip it over. And we remember that in Mitzrayim, one of the greatest, greatest forms of slavery is to be enslaved to the external to be enslaved to the constricted, which is what the word mitzrayim means, mitzaryim, constriction, not to see the bigger picture, not to be able to access the spiritual realm beyond. That was the Ikr of mitzrayim, and that is part and parcel of our experience, even in our times. That's what it means to be in Gullus. That's why David Melech says in Talmud again and again in different forms, sure, there's a collective exile of the Jewish nation, but there's also the personal exile of each and every one of us. Karva al-Nafshi, says David come close to my soul, Ka'ala, and redeem it. Each of our souls could be an exile. What exile? The exile that's embodied in sitting down to a table where the table isn't shining with the Debor of Hashem and therefore the Pnei Hashem. But it's the exile of pure, physical, hedonistic, external, limited coarseness. The opposite of the das, of being able to understand how there could be, going back to the first piece, maybe that's the bridge between them, the mo'yach, sheba'at samois, that there's holiness, there's das in the bones, in the gashmias. There's a way of accessing kedusha. there. doesn't understand that. It just sees it as being pure, utter, external, physical, Experience of the guf alone. And that's an aspect of dibor being in gullus, And it's not just food, even though that's very specific. Where the passage literally tells us that it's the speech of God that is the sustenance in food that we consume to give ourselves strength. The whole world is created with the dibor of Hashem. So if we access the world on the level of achar, where we're coming to the ha'oref, the paro, and we experience the world in a way of gallus of exile, that means that we're not aware that the whole world and every circumstance and person, place, and thing, and moment in time is the concretized speech of the divine that's concealed from us. So we live in a realm of constriction. We're locked in and we feel stuck in our circumstances. We don't realize Hashem is talking to us. Every minute, every every, every detail of our lives is a loving communication from Hashem bringing us closer to Him, somehow being misak in us. We live in a stuck world of Mitzrayim, Golis, Exile, Achar and the world is locked to us. There's no dialogue. Everything is dark. Everything is chashuch. But when we can see the world, we said last week, you look up at the heavens and you see the words of Hashem. You see every, Hashem is everywhere. So then, it's it's aspaklariyah ira It's the window is not clouded, and it's certainly not a wall. It's a window and it's a clear window. You can see up and out. You can see in, 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 and you and you're you're swimming in the infinite, infinite, infinite. It's panim. That's gu'ula, not gallus. Living in gu'ula. So it takes das, it takes being a person who's awake, and it takes trying our best to hold on to this awareness. Not possible to hold on to it all the time, but as much as we can to be people who are conscious people. Like we say so often, vitsadik be emunasa yichya means to live with emunah. Not just to have emuna, to live with it, to see Hashem everywhere. Then the whole world is facing you. The whole world is speaking to you and you have the ability to be freed from your personal exile. So the Rebbe says that this is why, to finish, the Al-Kain again, which is before the Etzias Mitzrayim, when it's still Gala's, so we flip the table over to represent this aspect that it's not the Debor of Hashem because it's in Gala's and therefore it's not a Shulchan a lufnei Hashem. It's not the punim of Hashem, it's the Akhar. Totally concealed. Shemaramzim to hint Shahadibu Hayab that the speech is in Gulus Mitsrayim Aj Zakinulitsius Mitsraim Besakh until we dafka go ahead and we're misakin or represent the of the Mitzrayim through eating, the whole Seder night eating and dalet kosis and speaking. The whole thing is about dibor, 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 dibor. We have to speak and speak and speak, Pesach, and so on. And a lot of eating and drinking in the way of the Chacham, not the way of the Rasha. They can't understand how there's something spiritual. daika through the eating Rabbi Nachman says when you hold the matzah, you hold elokus, elokus. that's what the matzah helps us realize. It's a refined food, it's just godliness. That's symbolic of the redemption of dibor from galus that takes place on Pesach with Yeshiyas Mitzrayim. And we're able to get free. So, we don't have time to read the, the, the Torah from Lukutimaran. If you do have access, take a look at Lukutimaran, Torah Nun Vav, Ois Zion, 56, uh, 7. And over there, you can read a similar concept where Hitaka quotes um, a pasuk from this very week's parsha, which is pretty incredible, um, about the Dibor being in Gullus and what that means. And so, our Avoida is to take this practically. There's a couple of practical things that come out of the first piece we already said, but the second piece more specifically. Let's try to daven at least that we should live on this level. To live with awareness so that we can be people who are Geula people. Living with Geula consciousness, seeing HaKadosh Baruch Hu everywhere, interacting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu through everything and certainly eating as, as much as we can in a conscious way. And Shubhuzerche, um, to, to do our holy avoid and to, and to help others access this awareness also, spread this, spread this, teach other people this. Embody this as much as we can, so that slowly but surely we continue to add light to the world. Add beas Gaald Sediktam here, Bi Amen Hashem. amen, va